Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our I Am, Jesus in His Own Words sermon series. This series explores the I Am statements made by Jesus and how these two words and His statements that follow tell so much about who Jesus is to us and to the world. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Community time is a time when we can share what God's doing in our midst. And, and over the past couple of weeks, I had the opportunity to attend one of our life groups that I'm not a part of. But I, I, w- I was there and I, I was uh, talking to somebody and he was sharing me how he's going to be sharing his testimony in a few weeks. And, and I know his testimony. I thought this would be really cool for you guys to hear his story about how uh, he has walked with God. So I'm going to invite Joe Marcoux to come on up. Yeah, give him a round of applause. He's getting to be an old pro at this. This is his second time. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Joe and I know a little bit about each other. We, we've talked, uh, obviously, in preparation for today, but he'd shared his testimony with me as when he became a member. And, uh, you know, Joe, so for the benefit of everybody else, just give a little bit about your background so they can sort of know your story. Okay. I, um, as a youngster, I was uh, brought up in the Methodist church. And um, about the age of 12, I was done with that. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was a pretty wild uh, teenager and uh, running the streets and stuff. And uh, I, uh, I ended up quitting school and uh, made a real wise decision of joining the Marine Corps. And uh, ended up in Vietnam for a year. You know, I, I came home, got married, had two children. Uh, the marriage didn't work out for a number of reasons, you know. Um, and I had um, picked up alcohol. And alcohol was the uh, answer to all my problems. Uh, You know, any situation that I was ever put in, you know, alcohol took care of it. And uh, I would go on to drink for many years. I I tried quitting many times on my own, but um, yeah. It was never very yeah. successful, you know. Uh, I would be in and out of rehabs and detoxes, and uh, couldn't do it on my own. And uh, after a um, weekend, I was um, 42 years old, a real heavy, heavy drinking. I um, I was I was done. I was done. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. I um, I asked God. Yeah. I said, I said, God, I, I need help to stop drinking. Yeah. And uh, from that day forward, 25 years in August, I haven't had a drink. Wow. That's awesome. Now, I know when you and I talked, you know, you, you shared your story uh, about how you you reached out to God. So you, you were spiritual, mm-hmm. but you really hadn't come to faith in Jesus. Yeah. And you started attending this church, and, mm-hmm. and you met Johanna, right. and uh, you asked her out. So take, take the story right. from there. Yeah, I, um, I actually met Johanna at um, AA, of all places. And, um, you know, I kind of took a shine to her, and we, we started seeing each other. And um, she started asking me questions, you know, and... Um, one of the questions she asked me was, uh, if you were to die t- today, how would you know you went to heaven? Bingo. I had the answer. 
because I'm a good person. <laughs> well, she dumped me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, like it said, I was, I was going to church, and uh, I knew that her and her daughters attended church regularly, you know. And uh, so, um, uh, so I went, went to the church I was going to, and um, they had an altar call, and I went down. I was going down, and I was griping about how I got dumped, <laughs> you know. And I, little older man, uh, he said to me, he said, um, well, there's two things you, you need to do, Joe. Uh, forgiveness, and you need to have a relationship with God. And uh, he said, you can have both of those today, you know, because of what Christ had, had done on the cross. So um, we talked a little bit, and uh, he said a prayer. I don't remember the words to that yeah, prayer. Yeah. And, uh, but... Uh, I accepted Jesus Christ in my life that day and I became my savior. And uh, that was 22 years ago. So, um, so, so she dumped you because you weren't a Christian. But, correct. But when you became a Christian, you went back and asked her again. Yeah, we started <laughs> seeing one another and I can tell you that uh, uh, come this October, we've been married for 21 years. All right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, you have such a, to me, such a fascinating story because you've been through so many ups and downs. And uh, as, a, as a Christian, when we come to faith, uh, that doesn't guarantee that we won't have ups and downs anymore. Right. So, you know, you, you share with me how you've recently gone through a, a pretty big down, but you're on the upswing. Yes, indeed, yeah. Back in um, 2005, I got sick. I used to weigh uh, 207 pounds. And... Uh, so I had lost a lot of weight, and I went down to about 170, and um, went to the doctors, and they ran all kinds of tests. They couldn't find anything really wrong with me other than I had a little stomach ulcer, so they figured that my weight started maintaining at 170, so uh, they figured that was it. All of a sudden, I started getting a couple of lumps here on my neck. So I go back to the doctor, and they... Um, ran some tests, and I was diagnosed with uh, stage four uh, cancer up in the throat area. And, uh, you know, the, uh, it, was, uh, it has a real long, long name, uh, nasopharyngeal. You don't need to remember that, but it's a real rare cancer. Survival rate on that is about uh, 30%. And at my age, it dropped down to 20%. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of people praying for me, and, uh, you know, I never, never once did I lose my faith, you know, God was with me through the whole time, but I went through horrendous uh, radiation and chemotherapy for over, over six months. After the treatment was done, I would find myself in the hospital four times, two times in the critical care unit, and uh, people were coming to visit me, and, uh, which is nice, but some of these people were people from my past, my childhood, really, you know, those kids you grew up with that, you know, yeah. you really bond with. And, uh, you know, relatives I haven't seen for a little while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what they were doing is they were coming to say goodbye. Yeah. You know, my, um, after, you know, my nursing staff, my doctors didn't think I was going to make it, you know. But um, I can tell you, you know, through, the, through God, you know, today... You know, I'm cancer-free for a year. Yeah. yeah. I, um, while going through this, my daughter also had cancer. 
She passed uh, this past July. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, God, she, um, she, she calls me up about four weeks before she passes, and she says to me, she says, Daddy, she called me Daddy, I love that. She says, Daddy, you know, you, you're always talking about, you know, heaven and that, and that stuff. How do I get to heaven? And uh, I was able to share with her, you know, something that I learned 22 years ago. I was asked that question, but I was able to share with her, and we talked a little bit, and we said a prayer, and she accepted Jesus into her life. Yeah. And today, you know, I, uh, you know, I grieve, yeah. you know, yeah. but what a peace I have knowing that, you know, where she is today. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, Joe, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing your story with us, because I, I believe there's multiple places in your story where, where we can connect with you. And so, uh, you know, I know you probably have ministered to somebody. I know you did the first service. I saw you had a connection there. And um, so I want to pray over you, but I also want to pray for anybody else that's going through something like this. And, and after the service, I know you'll be up front. And if anybody wants to talk to Joe, uh, that they can you know, come up and talk to him. So why don't we stand up? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to stand up and, and just hold a hand toward Joe. And I'm going to pray for him and then pray for anybody else. And then we'll move back into worship. Father, we thank you. Uh, thank you that you love us and so much that you don't want us to be separated from you. And so you made it clear to Joe uh, that you are the way to eternal life. And Lord, you, you saved him and, and you've shown him a purpose. You've taken him through so much, Lord, and, and you've been with him and you walked through him, with him and you allowed him to share Christ with his daughter and, and she uh, was saved for eternity. And, and though she is not here with him on earth, we know that someday he'll see her in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody who's going through any of the struggles that Joe's going through. I, I pray that they'll be encouraged to know that you'll walk with them and that you're there for them. And, and I pray for Joe and Johanna as they continue in life together, that you would bless them and bless yes, their walk Lord. with you. And, and Lord, I pray for us all that we would be able to know that we walk with you every day and we can worship you as your followers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. So let me just see by a show of hands, how many of you use uh, Google Maps as your GPS system? So just think this one through, okay? If you wanted to go to downtown Hartford from here, let's say you wanted to go down and see the Yard Goats play or you wanted to go to the Bushnell and watch a show and you plugged it into Google Maps on your phone, it's going to give you at least three ways to get there. It's going to give you the fastest way, and the fastest way is going to be down 189 to Route 20 East to 91, and then you get off of the exit that you want to. It's going to give you the shortest way, and the shortest way is going to be really stay on 189 all the way into the north end of Hartford until you hit Albany Ave, and then you can turn left and you can go to wherever you're going. And it's going to give you another alternative way. Generally, it seems to give me 189 to uh, Day Hill Road and then over to 91 again, and you can get off of your exit. But the truth of the matter is there's probably dozens of ways to get to downtown Hartford from here. This morning, we're in this series called I Am Jesus in His Own Words. And we're going to look at what might be considered one of the most controversial statements Jesus ever made. It's in John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The statement is controversial because of its exclusiveness. Jesus is saying, 
There's not multiple ways to heaven. There's not multiple ways to God. There's only one way, and that's through me. So let's dig right in. So we're going to look at those three kind of segments of those phrases. Let's, let's look at this. Jesus is the way. The defining proclamation by Jesus comes after a culmination of a couple of conversations. The first conversation in the prior chapter is Jesus telling the disciples that he's going to be leaving them, and they don't understand, they're upset. And then Jesus tells him, them this, and we go right into the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, and this is what it says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas's response shows that he doesn't get what Jesus is saying. You see, he wants an unambiguous destination, for without such an unambiguous destination, he can't meaningfully speak of the route to get there. So it's really, if you imagine the conversation going like this, it's as if Jesus is saying, you know the way, you don't need to know where it leads. And then Thomas would be responding, you know, if we do not know the destination, how can we know the way? Well, if you followed the conversation, in fact, Jesus spelled out the destination in verses 2 and 3. He said, the destination is my father's house. And then he told them that they also know the way, which he said in verse 4. He says, uh, you know the way to the place where I'm going. He's already said that. And, and Thomas replies, in effect, that, that he and the other disciples have not really come to grips with what Jesus has said about the de destination. So how could Jesus' further insistence that they know the way have any coherent meaning? They're struggling to comprehend what Jesus is talking about. And in, and in response to this, we get John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus says that he is the way to God the Father, he is saying that he is the way to heaven. And no one goes to heaven any other way. Jesus isn't saying that he's a way to heaven. He's saying that he is the way to heaven. That's the exclusivity that I mentioned earlier, that Jesus is the only way to heaven for all people. The way to heaven is not by doing uh, good works like uh, Joe shared in his testimony that he thought it was. You know, I'm a good person. Uh, the way to heaven is uh, not through some type of universalist uh, philosophy that, that many in our culture and in our world think about. Maybe even some of you embrace that. You know, the universalist kind of thinking is this, is that uh, all religions get people to heaven. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, no one gets to heaven except through me. It's by Jesus' own words 
that we hear this exclusive message that there is only one way to heaven. Now, while universalists believe that Jesus is the way to heaven for Christians, uh, they would say that, uh, you know, for Muslims and for Jewish people and for Buddhist people, their religions show them the way to heaven. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying uh, all religions don't lead to heaven. All faith don't. In fact, he's saying it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God. And he is the only way to have that relationship with God. Now, look, I, I know some of you wrestle with this message. Some of you struggle with that because uh, you're saying, well, okay, if I've heard about Jesus and I'm responsible, what I do with that information? But what if I've never heard about Jesus? Well, Scripture tells us that God has revealed himself to all of humanity, both in nature and in the hearts of all humankind. The problem is, is that the human race is sinful and we all reject the knowledge of God and rebel, rebel against him. You know, it's like what Joe shared when he shared his faith story this morning. You know, he, he reached out to God to deliver him from his alcoholism, uh, but, but then he just sort of stayed there. Um, you know, he just sort of rejected God. And, and so when Johanna asked him if he, if he would go to heaven, he didn't know. He just said, well, I'm a, I will because I'm a good person. But that's not what Jesus says. And so Scripture tells us that if it weren't for God's grace, we would be given over to the sinful desires of our heart. So God uses that when he allows us to be given over to the sinful desires of our heart, to he, that separation, that miserableness that we experience, he uses that to draw people back to him. In reality, it's not that some people have not heard about God. Rather, the problem is, is they've rejected what they've heard and what is readily seen in nature. In the book of Deuteronomy, we read this. If from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And, and that's what happened in Joe's life as he shared that this morning. You know, he, when he was told that he needed to receive God's forgiveness and he needed a relationship with, with God, he accepted it and, and sought, him after God, sought after God with all his heart. So this verse teaches that this important principle is, is for all of us, that if we seek after God with all of our hearts, he'll make himself known to us. So Jesus wasn't naive about this exclusivity that he was saying about himself. In the Gospel of Matthew, he said this regarding heaven and eternal life. He said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And men, many enter through it. He said, But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus understood that he was going against the cultural norms of his time. And let's face it, the cultural norms of first century Israel was Judaism. And there were people who were saying, listen, I'm a faithful follower of Judaism. I'm keeping all the law, so I know I'm going to get to heaven. But that's not what Jesus was saying. It's, it's not through the obedience to the law that you get to heaven. He said, it's because through me you do it. If you're in a relationship with me, then you'll understand that that." Yes, the law was given to show us that we have sin, but through relationship with me, because you desire to be in that relationship and honor me and love me, then you keep the law. So it's 
not exactly what they had been following all their lives. But Jesus is saying, this is the way. And it's clearly through the small and narrow gate. One scholar has written this. Jesus is the way to God precisely because he is the truth of God and the life of God. So let's look at those other two pieces, uh, the truth of God and the life of God. Let's start with the life of God. Jesus is the, excuse me, the truth of God. Jesus is the truth. Uh, Now, what does that mean specifically? Theologian D.A. Carson writes, Jesus is the truth because he embodies the supreme revelation of God. He himself narrates God. That is to say, he says and does exclusively what the Father gives him to say and do. And he's called God in the scriptures. He's God's gracious self-disclosure. As the scriptures say, he is the word made flesh. So when Jesus says he is the truth, he's sharing something about who he is. You see, there's only one who can call themselves the truth. And not only are, the tru- are they the truth, but their character, their life shows that they are the truth. And that's God. As Christians, we understand that God sent his son, Jesus, so that Jesus is the son of God. And as such, he is the truth, like God the Father is truth. And like God, the Holy Spirit is truth. The three are God. And their character is truth. When D.A. Carson says that Jesus narrates God, what he means is that Jesus says and does the truth that God gives him to say and do. In his own words, Jesus put it this way. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees and what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus has given us an inside look into his relationship with God the Father. We see that there's a real relationship going on there, that that God the Father and God the Son, and yes, God the Holy Spirit, are all of one mind. That while we, we talk about God in the three persons, remember that they are all one God. Again, let's look at the words of Jesus who said this, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, and he has made him known. So Jesus is in the closest relationship with the Father, and he is God, and he makes God known to the world. That's why he was sent to earth. So, you know, there's a sense here that when Jesus said he was the way and the truth and the life, he was saying that all these truths about himself are entwined together in himself as God. Jesus is the true God. If you know him, you know God. If you believe in him, you believe in God. And if you believe in him, you have the truth of eternal life. In a conversation about who he was, Jesus said this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, those who were hearing answered him and said, listen, wait a minute, we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And this is how Jesus replied. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or a daughter belongs to the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
This is such a critical understanding, again, of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe the truth about him, that he came to save us, then the truth will set you free because you are forgiven and saved. When, when Jesus' disciples understood that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit after Jesus had ascended into heaven, they went out and they began to preach about Christ. On one occasion, Peter and John were, were both uh, arrested by the religious leaders of Israel uh, in Jerusalem. They were arrested because they were preaching about Christ and they were uh, basically put on trial and they were interrogated. And they were asked by, whom pow by whose power, by whose name, they had healed a man the day before. And they said it was by the name of Jesus. And then Peter says this. It's powerful for us to understand. He says, listen, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. So the truth of salvation is that it only comes through faith in Jesus. And that's critical for us to know. It's critical for those of us who know it to share it with others, like Joe did with his daughter. So Jesus is the way, and Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. So what does it mean to say that Jesus is the life? This is what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that in him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. And it goes on and it says uh, from the Apostle Paul, in him we live and we move and we have our being. So if we have Jesus, then we have the life. We, we, can, we, we can live and we can move and we can have our being. We can enjoy this life. Jesus gives us life on this earth, and he promises eternal life through faith in him. And he says this to everybody who believes in me. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus cares not only about your eternal life, but he cares about your life on earth, that he wants you to live a full life on earth. So what does that mean for us? It means that he came so that we could have life on this earth when we have a relationship with him we're having a relationship with God and and we're no longer weighed down by the guilt and the shame of sin we have hope not just for eternal life we have hope that he is walking with us and empowering us and guiding us and directing us each and every day while we live on this earth and that's only available to us through faith in Jesus Christ. John writes in his first letter these words about Jesus. He says, he is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is life. Faith in him and a relationship with him means that we have life now, the best life that we can have. And it means that we can have eternal life. Only because he is the truth, only because Jesus is the truth, and only because Jesus is the life, can he be the way for others to find God. Maybe the best way for me to illustrate this is, is with a story. Lee Strobel was a, a uh, journalist for the Chicago Tribune. He, he lived in Chicago. 
He was a self-professed atheist. Uh, he, he loved his job. He loved doing what he did. And he was assigned to report on the struggles of an uh, impoverished inner city family during the weeks leading up to Christmas. And uh, he was surprised uh, by what he found. And so let me share with you what he writes in his own words. The Delgados, uh, 60-year-old Perfecta and her granddaughters, Lydia and Jenny, had been burned out of their roach-infested tenement and were now living in a tiny two-room apartment on the west side. As I walked in, I couldn't believe how empty it was. There was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls, only a small kitchen table and one handful of rice. That's it. They were virtually devoid of possessions. In fact, 11-year-old Lydia and 13-year-old Jenny owned only one short sleeve shirt uh, dress each, plus one thin gray sweater between them. When they walked the half mile to school through the biting cold, Lydia would wear the sweater for the first part of the distance and then hand it to her shivering sister to wear it the rest of the way. But despite their poverty and despite the painful arthritis that kept Perfecta from working, she still talked confidently about her faith in Jesus. She was convinced that he had not abandoned them. And he writes, I never sensed despair or self-pity in Perfecta's home. Instead, she had a gentle feeling that, that exuded hope and peace about her circumstances. When he completed that article, he went on to other assignments, but as the uh, time drew close to Christmas, he kept thinking about the Delgados and about their unflinching faith in God's provision for them through Jesus. And so in his own words, he said, I wrestled with the irony of this situation. Here was a family that had nothing but faith and yet seemed happy, while I had everything I needed materially but lacked faith. And inside, I was as empty and as barren as their apartment. So, in the middle of a slow news day, Strobel decided to pay the Delgados a visit. And when he arrived, he was amazed at what he saw. Readers of his article had responded to the family's need with an overwhelming fashion, filling the small apartment with donations. Once inside, Strobel encountered new furniture and appliances and rugs and a large Christmas tree and stacks of wrapped presents, bags of food, and a large selection of warm winter clothing. Readers had even donated a generous amount of cash. But it wasn't the gifts that shocked Strobel. As an atheist in the middle of this Christmas generosity, it was the family's response to those gifts. And again, in his words, he said, as surprised as I was by this outpouring, I was even more astonished by what my visit was interrupting. Perfecta and her granddaughters were getting ready to give away much of their newfound wealth. When I asked Perfecta why, she replied in halting English, our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. He writes, that blew me away. If I had been in that position at that time in my life, I would have been hoarding everything. I asked Perfecta what she thought about the generosity of the people who had sent all of these goodies. And again, her response amazed me. This is wonderful. And, and this is good, 
she said, gesturing to the largess of gifts. But we did nothing to deserve this. It's a gift from God. And she added, but it's not the greatest gift. No, we celebrate the greatest gift on Christmas. That's Jesus. To her, Jesus was the undeserved gift that meant everything. More than material possessions, more than comfort, more than security. And at that moment, he writes, something inside of me desperately wanted to know this Jesus. Because in a sense, he said, I saw him in Perfecta and her granddaughters. They had peace despite poverty, while I had anxiety despite plenty. They knew the joy of generosity, while I only knew the loneliness of ambition. They looked heavenward for hope, while I only looked out for myself. They experienced the wonder of the spiritual, while I was shackled to the shallowness of the material. And something made me long for what they had, or more accurately, for the one they knew. Perfecta Delgado knows that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And she shared that with her granddaughters and with her friends and with everyone she knew, including that journalist, Lee Strobel. You see, that's how she made it through the ups and downs of life, following the way of Jesus and trusting in his truth and embracing him as life. Eventually, Lee Strobel discovered that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and he became a, a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. What Perfecta discovered, you can discover too. I can imagine a message like this brings up some questions that I'd like to resolve this morning. So, the first question may be, all right, how can I follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? You can do that simply by telling Jesus that you believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life and begin following him. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Some of you may be saying, well, you know, I've accepted Jesus, so how can I really lean into following him? We do something every month at Valley Brook. It's called uh, our growth track. And uh, the first Sunday of the month, we kick it off, and it, it runs every Sunday. There's four steps, and I want to encourage you to, to join that. Uh, it will begin uh, again next month, uh, next Sunday, on the first Sunday with step one. And so I encourage you to take it, step one through step four. It will be after the second service. And it's a way that you can find your passion and, and lean into how God has made you and begin to make a difference in the world as a follower of Jesus. The third response somebody may have is this. Maybe you're struggling with this idea that Jesus is the only way. Let me say this. If that idea of the exclusivity of Christ for salvation bothers you, don't get mad. Don't get irritated. Talk to God about it. God's big enough to handle your doubts. He's big enough to handle your anger. He's big enough to let you just pour it all out and say, God, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure that there's only one way. I can't believe this. And just lay it out and tell him. And expect him to answer. Expect him to answer. He will. 
I want to invite you to have a conversation with God this morning to pray. And if you've never told Jesus that he is the way, the truth, and life, I'm going to give you the opportunity today to become a follower of Jesus. And then I'm going to encourage those who already know just to lean into him. And then I'm going to pray for those of you who, who really want to push back on this whole idea that Jesus is the only way. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. God, we thank you that you have shown us in Jesus that you love us so much that you would come to earth. And you've made it clear to, to many of us that, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, I know that to this morning there may be somebody who's never told you that they believe in you and wants to follow you. So if that's you, you can just repeat these phrases after me. They're just simple phrases just to, to profess your faith and your desire to follow Jesus. So you can repeat them silently. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and say that. I believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. I'm going to continue in, in prayer and I'll come back to that last prayer. For those of you who have been following God, I just want to encourage you to lean into God and say, God, uh, help me uh, lean into the passions you've given me and, and make a difference for you walking in those gifts and in that passion. And for those of you who are struggling with Jesus being the only way, just go ahead and tell them, you know, God, I don't know about this. I can't imagine that there's only way. Just tell them that, you know. Make it clear to me what is truth here. And as you pray that, trust that God will answer. So God, I, I pray for all of us, for those who have professed faith today, for those who have been walking with you, and for those who are struggling with this message. I pray that you would be as real to us as you are in heaven. Touch us, speak to us, let us hear from you and discover that you are who you say you are, and live it out in relationship with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.